Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to this episode of The Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. I'm your host, Cheryl Benton, and today we are going to be talking about the ultimate Hollywood movie stars and the ultimate Hollywood couple, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. They are the subjects of a fabulous six-part documentary film called The Last Movie Stars. It's now airing on HBO Max. And I'm so excited because our guest today is the producer and the screenwriter, Emily Wachtel, who originated and produced the series. It was directed by Ethan Hawke and executive produced by Martin Sersacy. And it features some really wonderful actors from today, too, including George Clooney, Laura Linney, Sally Field, and many others who are as starstruck, as you will see when you watch the series, as starstruck by Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward as, as we are. So welcome, Emily. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for having me. Well, first, I want to really congratulate you. This is such a beautifully produced series that pays tribute to really two wonderful actors. And it really does take us behind the curtain in a way that we none of us have certainly ever seen them before to look at their lives, not only as celebrities, but as the people they were, the human beings behind that uh, that curtain and who they were as a couple, too. And there are just so many things I love about it. I mean, I, I could be talking to you the rest of the afternoon because I so enjoyed it. And, and I want to watch it again because I think the more you see it, the more mm-hmm. you appreciate it as well. And first of all, I really love the role that Ethan Hawke plays. In addition to being director, he's he's sort of the MC of the whole the whole. Yes, event. he's the master. He's the master of ceremonies. Yeah, and the, and the yeah. other actors that come in and really helping to present the story, and mm-hmm. it's so fun seeing all of them, and also how you use all of these clips from so many of their wonderful movies which now I want to go back and watch every single one of them. Uh, I'm going to have to spend a, <laughs> a long yeah, it can, it, binging on stuff, right? It's over six, it's over six hours, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. And then how you use those movies to actually tell their story. It's just so well done. So first, let's start with how the series came about and also your very special relationship with Paul and Joanne. Okay. Well, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I uh, was best friends with their daughter from the time I was two, Clea Newman. Um, and I grew up with them having a very, um, I think, blessed artistic experience, seeing lots of plays and movies and you know, normal childhood, but I got to, I, I definitely became a filmmaker because of them. 
um, which is a wonderful, which I totally owe them everything for that because they definitely inspired me and I feel like I aim high. And But that said, um, it was 2015, getting back to your question of how, and I had finished another film in Seattle. Um, I'd finished sort of doing the rounds with it and was looking into other things. And I woke up and said to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, we've got to do something about <clears throat> the Newmans. That legacy is going to go away. People don't already didn't weren't remembering who they were or didn't know or, you know, and for me growing up, aside from them being so important as people, which they definitely were first, you know, they, they were so important to the theatrical community and, um, and to the community community because they gave back so much. They were obviously big philanthropists and all that. And so I just, I felt that their legacy should be preserved in some way and what better way for them to be preserved than in, in the, you know, the vocation they had picked in film. So it started that way. We were going to originally just do it on Joanne. Um, mm -hmm. but, and I had spoken to my, I went to an old friend of mine, Lisa Long Adler, and we formed this company Nook House, which was named after a sign in Joanne and Paul's yard with a, a oh, cow. So you'll see on the movie, if you watch it, it says Nook House Productions. And um, and so we started with Joanne, but ultimately you couldn't, you couldn't split up Joanne and Paul or Paul and Joanne because they had been together for so long. It was pretty impossible. So we decided, okay, we will, you know, we had, I had started archiving stuff. I had raised a little mm -hmm. bit, a bit of money and, um, and of course, had to get the rights from the girls, which was, you know, so that's 015. It's, you know, right. that's seven years ago. 2020, I was looking, I was archiving all this stuff, you know, spending money because you have to archive all the pictures and the home movies. And also, I I had been looking at the home movies and was seeing like Laurence Olivier and Gina Lola Brigida, and was thinking like this film has to be in the film. It's it's bananas. Yes. You know, this is crazy. So um, so we made it about both of them. We started archiving. I raised some money, and in 2020, I had met with a few people about directing it. I had sent footage to Martin Scorsese, who very early on was a fan and wanted to be involved. Um, they kind of chased me, which was fun. Said, you know, he, he has it. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, they kept calling. Yeah, it's a pretty good person to be chased by, right? Yeah, yeah. They said he he wants to be involved, you know. But I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure he really did, but he he did. Um, <clears throat> and I just every person I met either didn't know who they were, um, young documentarians, or. Wow. Yeah. Or, or if they did know who they were, they knew vaguely, but not their impact. And, you know, so it became very clear. I started thinking about it. I started ruminating on it. And I thought, my gosh, you know, an actor is the only person who's going to know who Joanne Woodward and Palmer. So, so I was thinking about it and I had seen that Ethan Hawke had done a documentary on a piano teacher and I watched it and I gave my partner, Lisa Long Adler and Adam Gibbs, who's another producer that worked on it with me, who had worked in a previous film and gave it to the girls as well. His And we all really liked the film. 
And and so I said to Clay Newman, you need to call Ethan Hawke. I'll find figure out. I'm very good at that. That's my producerial. I said, I'll find his number, but you need to call him because I figured if a producer called and said, we want you to do a documentary on Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman, he, he would say, oh, that's nice. But he, he is a very, obviously, you know, he's an actor and a movie star. He's working. So I thought he would think it was an interesting opportunity, but he, he had far too much to do. But I thought if one of the daughters called him, if I got a Newman to call him and ask him directly, it would be hard for him to say no. And, and, and in fact, initially he had said to Clea, cause I had, te- I was texting Clea when she was on the phone with him. So, <laughs> Don't stay on for a long time. Just get the meeting. He's either interested or he's not. Cause I didn't want to spend a lot of, cause you know, when you talk to an actor about the Newmans, they'll go on and on about this performance and that performance. Right. I said, just see if he's interested, get the meeting and we'll figure out from there. So I was texting her, hang up the phone, hang up the phone, <laughs> get off the call. Um, but he had said, oh, I'll help you find someone, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, shortly, right before the pandemic, it was um, February or so in 2020, I sat, we sat down with him, my three, two other producers, and I had Clea come and we sat down in the Newman's office and he came in with his producing partner, his wife, lovely wife, Ryan Hawk, and we talked about it. And um, I had the d- d- distinct sense that he was going to do it that's great yeah i definitely had he had he had already been dreaming about it and thinking about it and had all these ideas and and it was perfect timing because he had just finished the good lord bird and you know he's a guy who likes to be busy so this was a big you know this was something that he would do next and then the pandemic happened and it really in a weird way um allowed him the space and the time him and the wonderful wonderful we also got this wonderful editor named barry polterman who um we found completely by accident but it was it was great and uh and we all started working together but it was all remote most of it was remote yeah well i want to get to that because that that's another whole dimension of the series that i think just made it really more interesting and i want to get to that if you would produced it pre-pandemic yeah. i think yeah but, we assumed initially that there would be sit-down interviews yeah, your yeah, standard idea right, of what exactly. you know but we but so, there's another important thing here and that's that you uncovered these transcripts which really i did yeah so talk about that because that's really what added another whole well, dimension to this series i was in the newman first of all i remember in 1986 when Paul was uh, embarking upon possibly doing a biography. They both were. And they they enlisted their dear friend who I love, Stuart Stern, who we all grew up with, who had written Rebel Without a Cause. And um, so I remembered when he had started the interviews. Uh, I know that he did it from 86 to 91 five years. And then I know that he dropped it because I, I, because that was the, that was the rumor around the house, but I was in the Newman house and I was actually, for some reason I was in the laundry room. I was looking for stuff for the film and there was a locked file cabinet in the basement, in their laundry room. And 
I had said to someone else, like uh, to uh, this lovely girl who works with them, you know, can you can we get a locksmith because we can't have locked things going around <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, we got a locksmith and we opened it and there it was. It was Sidney Pollock, Martin Red, Tom Cruise, George Roy Hill, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the book. This is the book. So I started. I had talked to the girls and I said, I'm going to read this and I'll give it to Ethan. You know, so I was reading like crazy and mailing and having it copied and sending it to Ethan. And um, it was a really amazing experience. It was 14,000 pages all in. And then some point later that summer, I was in a storage unit looking for pictures or more footage or film footage. And I opened this box. It said PN History. And it was all Paul's transcripts. And we had never seen them. Nobody had seen them. Not the girls, not. So I felt like, oh, my God. It was very, a very interesting experience because I knew him quite well. And so reading it, I could hear him. Um, and there was just there was just so much material that. <clears throat> you know, obviously, we gave a bunch to Ethan. Ethan right away, though, I will say Ethan and Barry felt that they would use the voices to sort of do a play. But as an actor, that makes complete sense because he was hearing it in terms of cinema, you know, it's in a movie. So he was seeing, it, it, he said it right away. It's not like- Well, this that's is, great because that was one of my questions because I wanted to know how, yeah. how, you, how you decided to incorporate those transcripts the way that you did because you're right. I mean, it's done like a play and the, and the voices of, of uh of Paul and Joanne are played yeah. by none other than George Clooney and Laura yeah. Liddy too. Yeah, by we the all way. decided about Clooney and Oh um, my gosh. And the other thing I found so interesting is as you're listening to it in you know in the beginning it's like oh that's George Clooney's voice. But after a while they sound strangely familiar. I mean their voices I, I yeah. wasn't hearing Clooney anymore. It was just right. it was just his voice. You well, know we all it, talked about yeah what who should play Paul because we didn't want whoever to do it to actually play him. We just wanted them to read. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, George totally did that. Um, but Ethan, I just will say for the record right away, when he started reading the transcripts, he was like, this is my rose, but the transcripts are my rosebud. I see, you know, voices doing, and it was, it started kind of right away. Wow. He wasn't, I don't think he was in it right away. Then that came later, but he, he, I mean, he did so much work, him and the editor and, and the team. It, it, you, you see these things and you don't realize that there's 30 people working on it, you know? And, and honestly, I didn't know if we'd run out of money. I, you know, it was, it's always scary when you do a movie because, it's independently you don't know right you know and i i i figured the younger gen i was worried about the younger generation understanding it and um but i think he they not you know the whole team then ryan and lisa and adam and barry and and the, we had a wonderful archivist who had done the marlon brando movie named austin and uh the music supervisor i mean everybody just really came together and i think it, it we made something there was a huge effort in it and i think i think that shows you know i didn't well, know whether or not we'd sell it i didn't know whether or not i mean i figured we'd sell it but i didn't know where it would get seen i didn't right. know if it'd be on channel 13 
or you know i, I well, really you landed in a very good place because it's obviously we did we did seen and we'll continue to be seen yeah I'm still international people i'm still hearing people talk about that they just oh. watched it. i know it's been out since july but it's just it, it's i think it continues to get more buzz as more people see it because it's yeah, just the so... new york times was talking about it this weekend and the yeah the and it's just so uniquely and well done so i just the the idea of taking the transcripts and doing them the way that that you did them in the film was just really a brilliant touch and to just hear to hear their story in their own words is just so powerful yeah and then i love that then you took clips from so many of their movies which that was just sheer delight to see them back on on camera again. And, and I just have to say, you just uh, any young person who watches this is going to fall in love with both of them. Like we all have been for so many years because there's just, I mean, this is why they were movie stars. There, there's something so special about them both on the screen. And of course, Paul Newman, I mean, he had to be the most handsome man on the planet. Without she a was, doubt. She and was pretty she's gorgeous. Beautiful. Too. Yeah. And she's, you know, I had forgotten that because so, so, you know, some of her films, you know, I didn't see some of her earlier ones. And it just gave me a whole new appreciation of their films individually and what an extraordinary actress she was. And then, oh, yeah. um, and then the films that they did together. And it just, as I, I said earlier, it makes you, seeing all those clips now, I, I now want to make the list of all these films. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that. It's kind of like the next year watching one of their films every week or something, because they're just wonderful, beautifully done films. But the way that you wove their story between the interviews and then wove the film clips to create the story around their lives just comes together in in such a really powerful way. Yeah, um, that's the director. I mean, yeah, it, definitely. It, it, it just is beautiful. So then the other thing I just I want to go back to the pandemic because the other thing that is so the other level that comes into this is Ethan Hawke, who brings in all of these other actors friends who are all on zoom and by the way i had to laugh i'm like you know what i think what people do it's like they were just like us in the early days of zoom trying to figure out lighting yeah how you look at it it's kind of it's yeah. like they're just like we are right but it was so great just because now and of course ethan hawk's excitement about them and he's, he was six yeah it, it just you know comes across so beautifully but to hear all these other actors sharing how much they appreciated it and how much they got out of their work. It, it was, that's a beautiful thing to see. It really is to hear them all commenting. As I said, they were as starstruck by them as, you know, yeah. <laughs> we as regular moviegoers who knew and, you know, love their work are. And I think that's another thing that makes this series such a treat. I like it too. I like it. Um, I go ahead. You're sorry. You go. You no, go. No, it's so, it's so great. So, so one of the things that we see really clearly throughout the series is how, in the beginning, which also I didn't realize, how Joanne, when they when they first got together and were married, she was the big star. Yeah, she was the she was the actor. I mean, she you know people had so much respect for her acting ability, and I think she had just won an 
an Academy Award, and he obviously really revered revered her too as as an actress. Um, but then his stardom now starts to totally eclipse hers as becomes you know a big star. He becomes the big movie star, a huge sex symbol. She's now taking care of six kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and kind of put puts her career on a hold and. You can see her as she takes this back seat. So how difficult do you think that was for her during that time? Well, I can't speak for her, but I knew if you were in that household, you knew she was the bigger star. Um, Not the bigger star, but you knew she was the talent. I mean, it was, right. it was, I can't explain it, but if you were there, you felt it and you knew it. Um, she was an incredible mother. I mean, as a kid, she knit us sweaters. And I mean, she was an extraordinary person. Forget about actress, you know, and so, so lovely. Um, I'm sure it was difficult for her. She did say things to me as I was growing up that, um, you know, just things like you have plenty of time to worry about men. You know, think about there's so many great things to do. You know, I mean, she was very, um, I don't want to say a feminist, but she was, she was forward thinking and, and, um, and very encouraging. And, you know, I'm sure it must have been very difficult at times, but she managed to keep developing as did he. And I mean, she had the Westport Country Playhouse. She did Save the Children, Environmental Defense. I mean, she was a very, very busy woman and very in demand. And uh, it's not like she was swept under the rug exactly. Right. I mean, I'm right. sure, you know, I'm I, I'm sure, especially now that I'm I've been in this business for a while, I'm sure, you know, she wasn't always treated the way that she might have liked to be, but she really kept going and that it's really a lesson of what you need to do anyway in any career is that you have to keep reinventing yourself and keep, and she did, you know, she went back into television. She, she developed her own thing. She created her own, you know, career the way that she on her terms with her children. And, um, and she was such a great mom. I mean, I know everybody, well, you know, yeah, I was going to say that really comes through, too, in the series, which is beautiful because there are four daughters, five daughters. Yeah, five daughters. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And and two were his or two were stepdaughters. But I know the stepdaughters spoke so lovingly of her and how, oh, yeah. what a wonderful impact that they made. And it was it was truly one family. And that's you don't always hear that. Yeah. And that really came across how 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 much they loved and, and and respected her as well. So that was, that was another beautiful. You tribute. couldn't not love Joanne Woodward. <laughs> Everyone, you know, if you were in a room with both of them, I would have to say that you would feel her star power first because wow. she was just her graciousness and her kindness and her generosity was infectious, you know? Well, and they did, they, as you said, they did so many wonderful things and, you know, in the yeah. world of philanthropy, plus their advocacy. I mean, I didn't realize how involved they were 
very early on in 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 civil rights and and protesting the you know the war in Vietnam. I mean, I I didn't remember those things, and that well, was you, really interesting to see all that. I know one of your questions that you sent me early on was, were there any surprises? And yes, I didn't realize that they had been at the March on Washington and. In hindsight, I wish I didn't talk to them about boy problems. I wish I said, what was it like to meet Martin? What was right. the Dr. King like? You know, I mean, I, I, there are so many things that I I, I wish I could have talked to them about. Um, but the other thing is, you when you asked about surprises, I mean, Joanne told me a lot of the stories of their relationship as a kid growing up. So I, I knew a lot. You know, it was like reading what I'd heard mostly, you know. That's really interesting that she, you know, she would talk about those things. And oh, yeah. Them. She I, told I, me all kinds of stories about Marlon Brando and James Dean. And, you know, it was it was kind of wonderful when I think about it, because I was just a kid. <laughs> wow. But she would talk. So about what it. were some of the things? So now we have to gossip a little bit. What, okay, what okay. were some of the things she said about them? <laughs> well, she said that when she I, I don't know, I don't want to miss. I don't want to misquote, but the story that we heard was that there were two actors who wooed her when she was a young actress. One was extraordinary, extraordinarily talented, but didn't work that hard. And the other was not that talented, but worked really hard. And so we said, well, who were they? And she said, well, the talented one was Marlon Brando. And we said, well, who was the other one? And she'd say, your father, girls. <laughs> so, you know. So that's as, that's as much as we heard on on that, but you know, she was, well, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's, I I think that's so great, and the and I I think the other thing that's so great about them too. I mean, I refer to them as the Hollywood stars, but they they were they lived in Connecticut, right? They made they a should... conscious decision yeah. to not be Hollywood and to live in in Connecticut and make their life there and not be part of the scene. And I think, you know, his decision to race cars, one, he was an athlete, but two, um, I know this from him that, you know, if you're racing cars, it's not subjective. If you're two seconds faster, you're two seconds faster. But when you're viewing movies and performances, you know, Somebody may say they love something and I may say, well, I really wasn't that crazy about it. But but with the you know, with a sport, you either win or you don't, you know, and I think he liked that aspect of it. And. I can understand that, you know, that was that was such a different outlet for him. So was she ever nervous about him racing? I mean, of was, course, but he would call scary. her. When he was <laughs> I don't know how she did it. I got it. I don't know how she did it. But but she would, you know, he'd call her when he was getting in the car, getting out of the car. I mean, they were in touch and she went to all the, you know, we went to a lot of races when I was growing up. I didn't like them. They were very loud. Not my thing, but he was very, very good at it, you know, and he was really happy with his racing friends. Well, I, I love that about them. I mean, just so many things I learned about them and 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 that you uncover in this film that just really make you appreciate them on so many levels. And and you've done such a wonderful job in the film of um, 
showing who they were as people. I mean, and you know, flaws and so. all. So yeah, you know, yeah. And, you I know, think... certainly I, I never realized, for example, that, you know, I don't remember that being mentioned that he had a drinking problem. And yeah, you know, and that's, you know, that had to have been very dark times, I'm sure, uh often you know, going through that, and especially for her living with it too. Yeah. Um, you know, I love this scene where she kicked him out of the house and, and he slept in his car for a week till she took him back in. Right. And, and he, he said something he, about, all right, what if I just drink beer? Yeah. <laughs> he also, he told, he talks about it in the film. He said, I have no place else to go. <laughs> I don't know where else to go. Exactly. I, and another thing that, um, uh, that's so great. I mean, there are interviews with, with all of the daughters and that was really interesting. And, and their love for both of them is, is so palpable throughout that. But to me, one of the most touching things where I think it's towards the end where you interview his, um, his two grandsons. I know. And that made me cheer up because knowing what he had gone through with his own son and how difficult a time that is for anyone to lose a child and, and I know he, you know, tried so hard to reach out and do the right thing by his son, but it seemed like he had such a wonderful relationship with them. That must have been very special for him. And and he the did. way they talk about him. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. You know, I guess you you were around to see some of that. Oh yeah. With them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, he was great with them. And at that point, you know, he was winding down and. I, th I think it's so wonderful that he had that time with them and that Joanne had that time with them. Um, yes. Yeah. They're really, they're really great kids. And I think that comes across. I'm really happy. Uh, ultimately that, that Ethan was available, that Barry was available, that all these people, Lisa, Adam, Ryan Hawk, that everyone was able to come together and that, you know, the kismet or the happenstance, whatever happened, somehow this came together because ultimately what I really wanted to do was just make sure that it got out there. So this is a bonus that people are responding so well, because, you know, my experience with them was so magical. I'm just, I'm glad it's, I'm so relieved it's out there. And one of the daughters said to me, the movie has done everything we've wanted it to. Oh, so, that's beautiful. You can't ask for more than that. No, nope, I can't ask for more than that. And they were definitely actors, actors. And it's it's it was upsetting for me to hear you say that there's producers, younger people who don't even know, barely even know who they are. So I do hope you're going to find a younger audience for this and 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 more uh, people to see it to really appreciate um the extraordinary legacy of these two people not only in 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 their film work but just as human beings too. as human they're great examples you Exa know? exactly we don't um, have it we don't have enough of that these days that's for no. sure no and you know these are two people who came along when there was no you know snapchat instagram facebook you know zoom these are two people who were very fortunate and knew that and connected with people and gave back to the society, gave back to their community, both as actors and the community as people here in Connecticut. You know, you talk about the Newmans in Westport, Connecticut, and it's like yeah. talking about the Rockefellers exactly. in New York City. You know, it's they are they were Westport, Connecticut. Yeah. So, you know, to so many things. Um, 
uh, but we were very fortunate that we got the people we got when we got it. And it really just feels like, you know, somebody was watching up. Exactly. As Paul, as Paul used to say from that great rehearsal hall in the sky. <laughs> just felt like we were getting some kind of, you know. I, th I think you probably were. Kind of a sign. So I have to ask you now, I know, do you have a favorite film of each of them or and or a favorite film of theirs that they did together? Because they did a number of films together. It's probably like asking who's your favorite kid, but. <laughs> it's really interesting because I just went to Rome with the, uh, with the film, which was really great. The Rome Film Festival and Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, which I hadn't been such a fan of growing up because I don't think I understood it. I feel really blown away by now. I, 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 I love long, hot summer. Although when I watch it, it seems silly now, you know, that's so your cold blue eye, you know, it's very dramatic. <laughs> and, um, and, but I love a new kind of love also because it's funny and much like Lissy Newman said in the film, uh, it, it's interesting, Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, Joanne's performance is, is pretty spectacular. I, the, I don't know. I can't, I don't know which one. So I like many. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and they did some duds that, you know, I got to rewatch that I don't, I I hadn't remembered seeing and, and then I rewatched them and I liked I liked Paris Blues, you know, it was so much fun. My God, Louis Armstrong's in it and Sidney Poitier. Oh, yes. I've never seen that. And that after. Oh, my gosh. Series, so much I'm fun. Like, I have to watch, watch this. <laughs> so much fun. That at all. And then, you know, Marigolds, which I remember them filming, which I think Stuart wrote the the screenplay for that. I, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, Joanne's performance is just astonishing, you know, she, she really was a chameleon, you know, she, she was that she had the muse as they say. Well, we, we know Paul died in 2008. Tell us about Joanne. Um, all days. things considered she's doing okay. You know, um, I visit with her. We visit with her. Aww. She's 92. Wow, that's hard to believe. But. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to believe. Um, but she's comfortable, and I think she's at peace with things. Well, that's good. Yeah, and she has such a loving family and and friends. Mm -hmm. So that that makes her very, and they're very fortunate. Just you, you all are to still have her. Uh, yeah, of have course. You in your lives too. So now I have to ask you about you because I think it's so wonderful to see women in production and development role in the film industry. We need a lot more women in, in, in on that the other side of the camera too, and we really need. Me too. I think more women who really can share their visions and put together stories like this because it's you know it's just where the world is going. So what's next for you? What else are you working on? Well, I have a bunch of different projects to be honest um and it's whichever one goes <laughs> you know I, I have about five possible ones one i've had for a very long time one i might be writing on that's a series you know there's all these different things and it's always which is the you know like the pandemic this was the one that went you know 
everything else was halted, but the documentary could keep going. And that was terrific. And I do love, I love the zooms and all that, that in the, uh, in the last movie stars, because it's different. I've never seen anything like it. It's unique. It is definitely, you know, it, so it really I, is. in that way, I, I couldn't be happier. But anyway, so I have a bunch of different projects. I Good. I will have to come back to you when one takes off so that absolutely we can revisit. Absolutely. Say, I didn't know which one and it was this one, you know, but <laughs> that's well, I have I, nicer opportunities now. I will say that I get to I get to and we've been doing a lot of awards circuit stuff. So we're waiting on that knockwood. So say a yeah, prayer for us. Exactly. Yeah. I am. Well, I just, I, just as a viewer, I thank you and a viewer. And then someone who, you know, so admired um, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward over all these years. And I just thank you for bringing this to, to life and bringing it to all of us and Everyone listening, I've been telling everyone, you know, watch this series. It's on HBO Max. It's really beautiful. As I said, it made me cry. It made me smile. It made oh. me laugh. It made me cry. It's 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 got everything in it. And I know that you're just going to keep bringing us great things. So thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you so guest. much for having me and for telling everyone you know. And I'm uh, going to keep doing that. And and good luck on award season because it deserves to win a ton of stuff. So okay, so very much. <laughs> All right, thank you, Cheryl. Okay. <laughs>